Welcome to GTM Gals, a TAC network original created in partnership with Share Your Genius. I'm your host, Danny Howe, and I'm bringing you with me into my conversations with some of B2B tech's best and brightest women as they share their insights on growing both personally and professionally in this ever-changing industry. So grab your coffee or wine and let's dive in. Hey everyone, I am Danny, and this is GTM Gals. Super excited to welcome one of my long-term LinkedIn buddies slash friends from the M2 community, Christina Gaspar of Forma.ai. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this show and excited to be here. Yeah, and I've known Christina for like many years, actually. So she's actually a really talented and seasoned growth marketer with a proven track record of driving results and scaling marketing efforts and a GTM gal who's all about giving back to the community. And for me, like community is one of the most important things. It's really about like, how can we support each other during the wins, but also during the downtimes and also during the dark moments in our lives. So Christina has gone through a lot of that in the past few years, and she's going to be sharing some of her tips and tricks on how she handles some of these difficulties, but also how she can really emerge from it a better person and a better marketer. So by day now, she's at Forma.ai, where she's really pushing the boundaries of growth marketing. And after hours, she's a reality TV aficionado, a avid reader, and a podcast enthusiast. So let's get into something really spicy. Of course, like I know this year has been really, really shitty for you because, you know, you went through, unfortunately, a layoff. But let's talk about it a little bit more because I feel like a lot of people can really feel what you were going to in the early years here. So how did that experience shape your approach to your career and what steps did you take to really bounce back now and really killing it in your current role? Yeah, I would say it was the ultimate shock to the system. I thought for sure that my last role was my dream job at my dream company. I would be there for at least five years. I've bounced around a little bit in the past. So for me to feel like that was somewhere I could stay for long term was a big deal. But after I got laid off, honestly, the best thing that I did was announce publicly that I was laid off. I had a lot more conversations with other people either who were laid off or who might have a job opening up or who knew someone who was hiring. I just had a lot of conversations with people that I wouldn't have had otherwise if I was doing a private job search. So that was extremely helpful for me because it made me realize what was out there, realize my worth, and then also realize what I wanted in my next company, in my next role, in my next team. So I would say that was the biggest thing after the initial shock. I'm so glad I posted about it because people who I'd been building relationships with or supporting on LinkedIn even over the past you know year were really willing to jump in and help. So that really helped. <laughs> I feel like that's also kind of like a little bit of a shock factor when you get the news, right? Some folks, like I know for myself, I was like, should I share this right away when I got the news? Sometimes you feel a little bit ashamed to even tell other folks, right? I don't know if you felt the same, but definitely when I was going through my layoff, I felt that. But then at the same time, you see a lot of it happening this year. So there's already like this community out there that will be behind you when these things happen. So I'm really glad that you were able to connect with like new people and also be able to get help from the community too. Yes. I was worried for so long about being laid off over the last eight or nine years, even at times when the economy was great. I was getting good feedback from managers. I just had this underlying, you know, what if it happens? And so it was pretty horrible experience to go through. But 
I also felt like, okay, this is what happened. I at least know what my next steps are. I'm not wondering, are there going to be layoffs at my company and am I going to be impacted? Should I start looking for a job now? It was really, okay, well, the decision's been made for me. I know that I need to look for a new job. I am such an overthinker. And so to have one question answered, even though it wasn't the answer that I wanted, it did at least give me a step forward. So you mentioned, I think this is a really important thing, where you were saying, you know, having conversations with others and being laid off allowed you to really self-reflect and think about what kind of company you wanted to join. Can you talk a little bit more about like how you got to that conclusion and what were some of the questions in your mind? Yes, absolutely. So for context, I spent three years at an agency and then I've been in-house in SaaS companies for like the last five or six years. One of them was corporate, but the rest have been pretty much startups. And so I knew what I liked and that I wanted to stay in a startup environment that just works best for me. And I really wanted a team that was smaller. I didn't know that at first, but eventually after having conversations, I wanted a team that was maybe 10 marketers at the most, somewhere where I felt like I could have an impact. I wanted a company and a product that was not a nice to have. In my previous role, the perception of the product was that it was a nice to have. It's something that when the economy is great, when I have extra budget to spend, I can use it on that. But the company I'm at now, it is a line item for a company every single year for these enterprise companies we sell to. Like they need a solution, a sales compensation solution like the one that my company offers. And so having that security, every company that is an enterprise company needs this solution. Maybe whether they choose ours, whether they choose somebody else's, that's up for debate. But what isn't up for debate is that this product, you know, is wanted and needed. So that was a huge factor for me. And then I would say the other thing was a company that values a modern approach to marketing. I think this is something that I wasn't aware of until I joined my last company and started getting involved in communities and just realizing the discussions that happen in communities about products, about solutions, people giving advice, just knowing that the way people buy has changed or maybe we're just realizing that it's changed it was something that was important to me to find a leader and ceo even who understood the value of a modern approach with community with events with building connections connecting each other like things like that that's definitely a big thing i feel like you don't really learn that either until you get into the company when you start to talk to other peers and you're like huh maybe there are things you can do differently but you wouldn't know that unless you've joined the team, right? That's something that's hard to tell. Yeah, there's so many things in the interview process that are hard to tell. And it's interviewing people and being the one that's interviewed. It's so easy now to just say the right thing. But the company is taking a bet on you, but you're really taking a bet on the company because no one wants to have to look for another job. No one wants to say, all right, I gave it three months. I didn't like it. So you're really placing your faith that the company that you're choosing was honest throughout the process. And I've heard stories that it can go the other way. Thankfully, it went the right way with me. <laughs> I guess this is something that's pretty personal, but I know like for some folks, when they got laid off, their first thoughts were like, oh, this is high alert for me. Like for me, it's getting a job right away. That's my priority. Versus for some folks, they're like, hey, maybe I should take my time and really think about like the company that I want to join. So I guess like, how did you balance that kind of timeline versus, hey, I want to make sure I 
land in a really great place for myself as a marketer and for my career development? That's a great question. And one that I think I did it one way and I would look back and do it a different way now having hindsight. When I got laid off, my husband got laid off three weeks later. So I had initially plans to take my time and find something that was a great fit for me. I had a freelance gig that I was starting, but as soon as he got laid off, there goes my health insurance. And so I was like, okay, I need to find something pretty quickly. Thankfully, we both were able to find something, but I think that initial pressure, I didn't feel that initial pressure and urgency until he got laid off a few weeks later. I would say the thing that I did not do that I would do differently now is I lost all boundaries, all hours of the day that I was awake. I was either freelancing or looking for a job. The way I was thinking about it was I'm going to get out what I put into it. If I have the whole day to prepare for an interview, then I should do that. But I think the idea of sticking to a schedule of like nine to five, I am working. And then after after that, I need to rest is something that I did not do, but I would definitely do differently. I just had no balance whatsoever. And that's something that I definitely regret. And a big focus for 2024 for me, even though I'm not in the same situation as last year at this time, I think finding balance and working on boundaries and time for myself is going to be a huge focus because I don't know anyone who has it down to a science and who has figured it out perfectly yet. That really sucks that both folks in your household went through that too. You've gone through that and then he was like, hey, I'm here to support you. But then once he goes through that too, like, you know, it's hard for you to be able to have to go on that journey together, but also try to be supportive for each other emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it was interesting because I realized after getting laid off, I had some people who really believed in me. And that was something like I went to them was like, can you write me a LinkedIn recommendation? Can you ask your network if anyone's looking? Do you know if your company's hiring? And like I had people who really believed in me that I had built up over the course of, you know, my career. And that made a huge impact. I think also talking to other people who had been laid off, who also it was no fault of their own, that helped as well. That was extremely validating. And I know like how you felt through the process. Like this was also pretty recent for me as well, like in the past few months, right? And one of the thoughts that I had was like, oh, was it because of performance? And I think you mentioned something that's really important for a lot of folks to hear is that sometimes when these things happen, it really is not because the fault of your own. It was not because of performance based. Like right now we're going through a shady economy and companies sometimes just need to make that call. So I think for me personally, I'm like, I need to separate out my self-worth for my job and the fact that I used to work for the super cool company and I was like killing it. And suddenly like that's all gone, right? Like everything is temporary. It's so true. And it made me realize too, how, just how much stock I put into what I do and how hard I work. And a lot of things just transpired as well in my personal life this year that made me realize like I need to invest in what's important. We have a huge event going on this week. And right before it started, I was so nervous. I was saying to my partner that it's crazy. In 10 years, I will not remember this. I won't remember being so nervous before I introduce people at this event. The 90 seconds I'm speaking out of the entire hour. But right now, it is such a big deal. And I feel like that is something that I'm still trying to be mindful of is, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, the 
biggest things I'm worried about won't even be an impact. And I should invest my time in spending time with people and working on things that actually, you know, will matter long term. (laughs) That's amazing, though, for you to take that step, because I know when we chatted previously, you mentioned one of your fears was being in public, doing that public speaking. So the fact that you're hopping with me on this and also the fact that you're doing this huge conference, like that's already a huge step for yourself as well. So that's that's amazing. Yes, definitely. This year is about pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And I think one thing also that's helped when I've been searching for jobs previously is just community, like the community that you created at the N2 community. That was the first time I ever jumped on like a round table and talking to other marketers. And I left that first round table that I joined and I was like buzzing. It was just such an experience that I never had before to talk to other marketers about problems that we were going through, about internal marketing. How can I get more buy-in for my programs? Even if it's not just like a marketing specific, if it's something about dealing with relationships, being in those conversations helped me so much because it gave me confidence that all of us are just trying to figure our stuff out. Nobody has the answers. It's all just a work in progress. And what I try today and what you try tomorrow, it's all just an experiment, which is a relief as well. And But joining those communities and joining those conversations connected me with so many people that I still keep in touch with. I know now if I have a question about, for example, even just like LinkedIn ads, I can ask certain people if I have a question about building out a dashboard reporting to the rest of the business on how marketing is doing. I can ask somebody else. Influencer marketing. You get to build these relationships with people and community, I would ask you. It's really cool to see how that played out in my job search and just in general being a marketer. I love that. It's almost like you have like a marketing Avengers group like behind you. So it's like, oh, I need help with this. I have these people on hand, right? So speaking of community, before at Alice, you were working more on the paid ad sides and more on the growth side. But then when you first joined your company, you know, after a layoff, when you first joined this new company, you went into like a whole new role, which is very scary, but also like very brave of you to do that. Because a lot of folks, they've built their careers around like certain skill set. And then, you know, they kind of move up from there. But you took like a leap of faith in yourself. So just curious, what are some of the steps you took to really get yourself up and running in your first 30 days in a new role? That's a great question and a very good point because I joined in this community type of role and I had never been in any sort of community role at all. But what I learned before I started during the interview process, I was talking to the person who had become my manager and he was helping me understand that what you do in community, at least in the one that we're doing, it's taking skills from a lot of other areas of marketing. It involves posting on social, emailing, building relationship. Like those are all things that I had been doing in other roles, just not necessarily applying them to like a community role or community function. Understanding that before I stepped in on the first day was huge because it also gave me confidence that I did know what I was doing. I'm not like a classically trained community manager, but I had been building skills in other ways along the way. And then in the first 30, 60, 90 days, I met with so many people and tried to start off by building relationships. And also, I was extremely curious about how other people viewed both my role and my function overall. 
and how I'd be working with them. I think curiosity is definitely like a superpower of mine, but I'm always just extremely curious how others are perceiving things. <laughs> and so what me coming in, what does this mean for you? How can I help you? What's the long-term vision? Are you in lines with is group A aligns with how group B thinks about the role? I think starting off with that and understanding perception of the role was extremely important because then I could map out what I needed to do and what I wanted to work on first and where I saw the biggest areas of growth. I love that. And I think these are such good questions too. So I'm just going to take a pause for the audience to take a look at the show notes afterwards because I think those are all questions that we can use for our future interviews or even when we're launching something new, right? How do you work with other teams? What is the perception of this particular role or this particular project? Because I really resonate with that. I feel like a lot of times we have our assumptions for what the project would entail or what the role would entail. But then if we only stick to our own assumptions and then we start doing the things, sometimes you realize there is a little gap between what you think people want versus what people actually want. So the fact that you have like all of these thought out from the beginning, that's really awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I think it helped coming from my first three years out of college where at marketing agency, where I worked with a lot of small businesses. And one of the things that my boss at the time drilled into us was when we were talking to a customer, they would always say, oh, I want brand awareness. And we'd be like, okay, great. And we would put together a plan that was exactly to get them brand awareness. But when it came time to report, they were like, well, where are the leads? Where's the close one business? And so I think now we understand that there's a closer line between brand awareness and lead generation than back then. But back then, it was really understanding what they actually wanted, what customers actually wanted. Okay, you you want brand awareness. How are you going to measure that? And if they said the leads generated, okay, well, that might be a different plan than... So I think understanding too, like when I was coming into this role for community, what do you expect is going to happen? If you think we're going to launch a community or host a few events and the next day we're going to sell $300,000 of deals... Like, that's not realistic. Let's get realistic with our expectations here and make sure that what I understand from you is the goal of this community is also like the widely held perception and belief across everybody in the business. I love what you said also earlier. You mentioned that there's almost this intersection between like, here's what I can do. Here's what you think I can do. And then like that magical mix is what I'm going to focus on. Yes. It's almost like the meme where it's like, what my mom thinks I do, what he thinks I do, what sales thinks I do, and then it's like what I actually do. That reminded me of that. So curious, like you had all these conversations with people before you joined the role, and then you had some more conversations with people to kind of level up your knowledge in this new role that you were tasked with. And then afterwards, how did you build out like your plan moving forward? How did you figure out what to focus on? And then how did you eventually, I guess, like switch from this community role into the role that you're doing now? So I would say the first month was a lot of discovery. And then I knew I had things that I needed to just jump in and take on because other people were doing them on top of their role. And I didn't want them to feel that burden for much longer. So I jumped in and I hosted a few events that I knew were things that people were managing on top of 
their regular obligations. And so that was a priority for me. Also understanding the biggest thing was learning the industry and the business. I went from a company, my last company, where it was $30,000 ACV. The sales cycle was three months or less. And the company I'm at now, where it's an enterprise buyer, a huge buying committee, and a long sales cycle. And the deal size is just massive compared to what I saw at my last company. It was a big adjustment because even all of my expectations of, okay, how soon will I get a win? It might not be for a while. If we're considering a win being a close one deal, now we celebrate a lot of little wins because over the course of a 12 to 16 month sales cycle, there's a lot of little moments that you can celebrate. And so that was something that I started in my first few months too, is realizing like that mindset shift of what a very transactional sale I was used to, to more of a building a relationship in a long-term sales cycle. So that was something I had to shift to, but building out my plan, I took the conversations that I had with all different departments and different roles and mapped out like what could three months look like with our plan. I truly didn't want to get further than that. And thankfully, the team was okay with that because I had just come off of a layoff and the crazy economy changes. I was just so used to things changing like that. I was like, I'm not going to plan for a full year of my community programming when something could change substantially. And so that getting everybody on board with that was a huge first step. That's amazing. And I think you're really asking like a lot of the important questions too, right? It's like, what are some of the small wins that you can handle? Because I feel like a lot of companies are shifting towards the strategy too, where maybe like in the beginning, they were reaching like a more mid-market kind of persona. But then since the economy is kind of shitty right now, they're thinking, okay, well, one way to add to my pipeline is if we move up market. But that's a completely different notion than if you're just sticking to like a smaller ACV. So I'm curious on like what you mean by the smaller wins that you guys were measuring. Maybe it can help some of the audience members going through that too. Yeah, I think celebrating the smaller wins has honestly made such a long like sales cycle very fun, at least because I was used to, you know, you see in Slack someone requests a demo one day and then two months later you see the deal close and it's like, oh, that's great. But now we celebrate things like Someone just followed us on LinkedIn or someone registered for an event that we're hosting. We do a lot of like smaller invite only roundtable style events. And so seeing that someone's willing to spend like an hour talking about a topic because we pre-plan the topics, like that is something that is exciting for us as well. We hear that someone had good feedback on a sales call. Like even a few weeks ago, we had someone on a sales call say, They really loved listening to our podcast. Even just that small win is really validating. And it also keeps the team pumped up, I think, because in such a large sales cycle, it's not like every single hour we're closing deals. It is something where you really have to celebrate all of the little moments. And especially because I know trust is pretty low right now in brands people are willing to spend time and actually engage with a company means that you've built some sort of trust, some sort of relationship. And I think that's worth celebrating. 
I actually love that because I feel like a lot of marketers, including myself, put so much pressure on ourselves to be able to see like, where's the revenue? Like, where's the leads? Where's the pipeline? Right. But a lot of times, especially in this economy, it's not going to happen as easily as before. So I think like being able to kind of map those out too and know like, here are the things that are still driving results, even though it's not really pipeline or revenue yet. I feel like that is so important. And also on our self-worth, just to motivate ourselves as marketers going through a lot of the projects that we're going through, right? Like not all of them are, number one, like super measurable. And number two, like not all of them will yield immediate results, but it doesn't mean it's not working. Yes, exactly. And there's so many early indicators too, especially because I'm in a company that's in a pretty established market. So there's some legacy vendors that have been around for 10 years worth of time where they've been able to build relationships with people already. So for us and for me in such a, legacy market it is cool to see what inroads you can make with people even just the conversations i went to my first trade show a few months ago in august and that was a whirlwind of an experience but it was so great to meet so many people that i'd been talking to online like so many community members of ours i think in-person events side note are going to be huge this year even if it's just like in round tables or dinners things like that because you could you just get to trust people so much faster when you get that full like verbal and nonverbal body language. You just you realize you get to connect with people in a different way. And so that was a huge learning experience as well. I feel like when you meet people in real life too, you almost break the mold of like, hey, this is another line on our CRM. You know what I mean? Like this is a real breathing human. And that's the part where I think it's very magical going out from like the post-COVID world. I feel like people are all craving that kind of connection. And people are not just their jobs. They're real human beings with like interests and hobbies. And you get to kind of experience some of that when you meet them in person. Yes, it's so true. It is so easy, especially when I was in the paid world. It was everyone who comes in is a number. But in events now that we host, I can see the same people coming back and I'm getting to know them and they're writing questions in the chat, even just with events, things like that. And so you start to build out this idea of who somebody is much more than just like a line item. When I was working on paid, be like, good, we got another one. That's a person who you can build a relationship with and start talking to. So I think that perception and that mindset shift has been pretty funny as well. Yeah, because you're not really just looking at the aggregate anymore. Exactly. And everyone has different motivations too. Like some people that I talk to day to day are looking to build their brand. And so I'm giving them an opportunity on our events or in our community to do that. And then other people just are so interested in talking to their peers about what problems they're working on. And so that too, being able to help people is really fulfilling as well, which I've never really been in a role where I could do that in the past. That's amazing. Yeah, you get to be the forefront of that now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's it's definitely been a good learning experience for me. And it's interesting because if I started off 2023, I never thought I'd be in a different role. And I mean, thankfully, I live in the same house. So there's some consistency. <laughs> I feel like this year has been for you, like learning how to deal with the uncertainty and the changes, but also being able to propel yourself to these new experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some cool projects that you're working on right now? Like what are some things that you're super proud of that you've launched this year so far? Right now, we're hosting a big week-long event 
called Comp Ops 2023. And we actually were doing one session every day for the full week. And it's all experts, people who are practitioners who are doing the work in sales comp right now. And so in the sales comp industry, there haven't really been a ton of places where practitioners can share their expertise. People who are doing the work can actually say what they're doing and share their experiences. And so we're trying to provide that and create a community built around, say, events and newsletters and obviously tangible community as well, like being somewhere. But I would say that's a huge, exciting thing because it involves the entire team. And we did a huge activation for getting our company involved and sharing the event with people. And since there's one session every day, it's more accessible for people who are in these senior leadership roles to actually be able to attend. It's not like I'm asking them to sit at their computer for eight hours straight every day. So yeah, I would say that's a huge thing I'm working on. And then in personal life, I'm trying to establish work-life balance. So if anybody has any tips, please let me know. But that is going to be a huge focus for me in 2024 because I am not the greatest at that. I get very wrapped up in work and I get a lot of fulfillment from work, which is great, but relationships can suffer, health can suffer. So trying to prioritize myself in 2024. I think one thing that I loved at your old job is that you used to say something like, here's my nine to five and here's my five to eight. What was it? Five to seven? Five to nine. There we go. Yeah. So how are you spending your five to nine now in your new role? I was doing a lot of freelancing for a while, but thankfully I quit that. I loved my freelancing, but I was just shutting off one laptop and opening another. And so my five to nine now is a lot of reality TV. I'm reading again, which is great. And then just spending time with family and friends. I have a lot of friends who recently or are about to have their first babies. So I've been learning how to hold a child, which I was not used to. And yeah, that's the biggest way I'm spending my five to nine nowadays. I really need to learn from you on that because I feel like this is also a big challenge for myself as well. It's the balance part. When you go through a change in your life, you almost feel like, okay, it's time for me to like settle down, hunker down and focus. But once you focus for too long, you start realizing you might be taking on too much. I don't know. I feel like as women, especially, we go through that. Yeah, I think so. I definitely find that I put pressure on myself in every aspect of my life. And I'm always like, why can't I balance everything? But I just think that, I mean, it's not realistic. You'll have seasons when you prioritize one thing over the other. This season for me was about prioritizing work. And now the next few months are going to be about prioritizing myself and establishing balance. But yeah, I'm like so tough on myself. I'm my own worst critic. So if there's any way I could be doing better, no one has to tell me I already know it myself. Yeah, 100%. And I think the more bad news that you hear, you put even more pressure on yourself because you feel like, oh, there's so much shit happening the rest of the world, people are going through a lot of challenges. So you got to be thankful for the things you have. But at the same time, it's like you sometimes even wonder, do I deserve to be enjoying my life when other people are suffering? You know, at least I get that. Oh, yeah. I am like, I am so emotional, empathetic, sensitive. So that is something that I struggle with, too. I like will be driving down the street and see roadkill. And so I am very much like the most a sensitive person, at least that I know. And so I always feel that way about other people, even animals, everything like that. I'm just, yeah, a big softy. 
Well, it just means you have a big heart, right? And I think that's why you're really thriving in your role. Like you care so much about people around you and the people you work with. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I also want to always make things easier for other people too, which is, I think, is good intentions for sure. But sometimes I'm like sending Slack messages or scheduling them at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. I thought of something and I think would help somebody else and trying to schedule that out in advance. I do the same thing where like I think of something at like 11 p.m., but I don't want to send it because I don't want to like wake them up or something. And then I schedule it out for the next day. (laughs) Yes. There's a Canadian holiday a few weeks ago and my company is out of Toronto. And so I was like, I'm not going to send a message that day to anybody because I don't want them to feel like they have to look at their phones. I don't want them to have to feel like they have to answer me right now. And other people are just like sending a thousand messages, like all these people's phones buzzing and they're not able to enjoy their lives. A big thing that's helped me too is in my career, which I hadn't done before is I think it was Amber Rhodes who posted about this a year ago, maybe, but creating like a hype file. Like anytime you get good feedback, put it in the file. Mine is like a PowerPoint. And when you have low days or you're being hard on yourself, just take it out and take a look at it and scroll through it. Mine includes some screenshots from Slack threads, big wins that I've had for emails, or even just like LinkedIn recommendations. I just screenshot them, put them in this type file. And when I'm feeling low or when I'm feeling like I could use a boost, I always take a look at that. And that's a good reminder that you do good work. People are in your corner. Man, I love that idea. We're ending off the interview here soon. I realize I kept you on for almost an hour. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for holding on here. But what's one hot take in B2B marketing that you want to share with the audience to end it off with the spicy one? The hot take is, I know I fall victim to this too. I do not think that what works in one company will work for another company. Like I have previous things that I came into my role now that I've done in previous roles. And I've been like, this is it. This is going to change everything. And whether it's something small like running a campaign or adding a CTA in one spot, something like that, and then it falls flat. Because what works for one company does not necessarily work for another. I think everyone is obsessed with finding hacks, finding the silver bullet. If I just did this differently, or if I just ran this type of campaign, all of my results would be better. I think it's the consistent work that you have to build with your audience, build trust, add value to them in their day-to-day, even before they're a customer of yours, and build that trust. And that is my B2B hot take. I love it. And that leads me to the last question. So what is one piece of advice you give to your fellow GTM gals? I would say build connections. And even if you're shy, just start commenting on either LinkedIn or commenting in communities. You don't have to talk about your biggest fears or anything like that, I would say just start talking to people and building relationships. And even if it's just every week you want to comment on a few people's LinkedIn posts, it really does make a difference. You know, if you're looking for a role, ask people to do just 15 minute conversations with you. Um, I did this a few weeks ago with someone and we talked for an hour and I was totally happy with that because I think it was worth it and it was a great conversation. I think more people are willing to help you then you think you just have to reach out and take the initiative and just swallow the fear. 
and the awkwardness sometimes that can happen when reaching out to someone because people are willing to help you. I love that. And speaking of help, I'll drop Christina's LinkedIn in the show notes here below if you want to connect with her. She's awesome. She's an open book. I've definitely had a lot of conversations with her where I've been inspired by a lot of the things that she's doing. So I hope you guys really take advantage of that too. And with that said, that will be the end of the episode here today. Thank you so much again, Christina, for hopping on. Hope you had as much fun as I did. Yes, this is great. Thank you so much. I'll talk anytime. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this episode of GTM Gals. For the latest episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Xiaohongshu, or on my website. All of this is linked in the show notes. See you next time. This show is a TAC Network original production created in partnership with Share Your Genius.